Have you been there and done it when it comes to nutrition, exercise, and motivation? My name is Zach Guild, and I'm part of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness team. We're not your standard health podcast, and we don't claim to be experts, but we do know change isn't easy. Our aim is to bring you the best in the business in all aspects of mind, body, and soul. We hope to create a spark, and with expert knowledge, give you the information and motivation to make a change. Please enjoy. Welcome to episode 14 of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness. I've got Andy here. Hi, everyone. And this topic is another mindset topic. So I absolutely love this type of thing and the whole mindset, psychology, positive mindset, that type of stuff. I just love it. And um, we were fortunate enough to meet a guest who will be jumping on shortly who's specializes in this area and he does training all over the world with um, high-performing athletes, CEOs and execs. And the, the topic is called flow. No, we won't get into it in too much detail. I'll leave that for our guest to explain in a much better way than either Andy or I could. But it's all around getting in that sort of in the zone, if you will, and how you can just, you feel so much more switched on, you can achieve a lot more, you come out there feeling a lot more energized and actually getting into that. I don't know if you've had much experience yourself, Andy. Yeah, look, I think from, from my perspective, that if, once you get in that zone or in that position, Everything just becomes so much easier, whether that be training, diets, just general well-being. I think it's one of the key things I've found that's helped me along the way is to get yourself in that position as quick as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And working on it as well is so important because you can actually, from what I've learned from our guests anyways, you can actually train yourself and start to learn that and really sort of position your mind and get that in the right frame so that you can experience it a lot more often. But as you say, it's like so important for everything. I mean, it makes you, it spills over into everything, your motivation, um, and it just makes you feel good, not even just in the gym and exercising, but at work. I mean, you could be at work smashing out a big report or whatever it is, and you just, you're in that zone. It's as if time just kind of passes by and you just smash it out and you, you come out there feeling a lot more, as I say, energized, a lot more productive. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, um, enough from us, and we're probably not going to do this topic justice. So I'll bring you the interview where Emma and I caught up with Cameron Norsworthy from the Flow Center. Emma and I are joined by a really, really interesting guest today, and it's in an area that I'm really fascinated with, and I'm doing more and more research into, and it's all around your mindset. The topic is flow. So a lot of people might not even know what flow is, but bear with us, and our amazing guest, Cameron Norsworthy, will expand on that. Now, Cameron is a qualified and accredited coach and psychologist, and he's had the privilege of working and coaching numerous world champions, executives, entrepreneurs, and high-profile military personnel. Um, not only that, Cameron has been an entrepreneur for over 10 years and he's set up the Flow Center based in the UK and in Australia. He works with clients internationally. So welcome, Cameron. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be joining you guys today. So we're just so grateful that you made the time through your busy schedule. We understand that you deal with a lot of international clients. And so we're so grateful to have you on. Um, we'd really love, we know that you do so much work with your Flow Center. Um, so we'd really love for you to just share a little bit of background on, I guess, how you came about the Flow Center and, and a bit of background on, on your, I guess, profession and what you've done in the past in terms of being an athlete and how you came about doing what you're doing now. 
Sure. For uh, anybody listening that doesn't know what flow is, flows are uh, our kind of optimal mental state of functioning, as um, as a lot of people say. And I became fascinated in this state um, from a from a young age, really. Um, I used to play tennis as a junior for England and. Um, always embellish those moments where I would be stretching down the line and time would seem to stop and I'd be able to hit this shot and almost stand back and, and look in admiration as the ball would sort of curl um, in, into the court and wonder how how did I actually hit that shot. It didn't feel like as if I was hitting it, um, but, yet it uh, but yet I had hit it. It was almost as if something had taken over my body and, and that, that moment had, had happened. And I subsequently um, got sidetracked um, with with business and and a few companies. But several years ago, I was sitting in a in an office and sort of talking the talk and corporate spiel as I as I was doing, and suddenly realised um, that there was a huge mismatch between you know what I really was passionate about in life and what really kind of made me tick, um, and what I was doing. So I I went back to my earlier studies of um, of uh, sports psychology and my work as a performer and coach and looked at what I found absolutely fascinating and enthralling about how people get into this state called flow. For many years, I never knew it really had a name. You know, I'd, I'd put it across as being lucky um, or uh, my ego would get involved and I'd be kind of thinking, oh, how amazing am I? Um, and it wasn't really till I studied it and got down into the detail that I realized that it, this state that underpins a lot of our um, greatest performances or creativity or, or innovative ideas um, is actually a mental state that we can often train for just as we would um, train ourselves to be grateful or to become anxious. And um, meeting uh, many different people throughout the years uh, amongst my life, I, I, uh, I'd stopped tennis through injury, unfortunately, with my elbows. And whilst backpacking in Bolivia, I met this harmonica player who was busking and I became absolutely fascinated in the music that was coming out I was kind of in, I was walking down the street and just suddenly stopped and became absorbed into this uh, musician and so sort of the closer I looked the more I realized that although this this musician seemed to be a tramp and had lived a harsh life he was playing the music like an absolute prince as if he was in the Royal Lab Hall or the Sydney Opera House and and I was in wonder that even in his position, he could commit himself 100% to what he was doing and find his flow within that moment. And for me, I did it, when I looked even sort of closer to him and what he was doing, I found that he or saw that he had two amputated arms um, and was playing with two stubs, which really brought home the message mm -hmm. of, you know, anyone can really find flow and, um, and whatever activity we're doing, it's something um, that we can train our minds to experience more frequently. So that was a pivotal moment for me in terms of um, putting myself on a path to understanding flow more, uh, writing about it, talking about it, and helping other people um, understand what flow is and hopefully find it in their lives. It's so interesting that you said, um, and I love it that you said, you know, uh, it just must have been luck you know I don't know how I did it it just must have been luck how I hit that ball and and I'm trying to work out how I did it it wasn't calculated it just kind of happened and you know I think so often people 
tend to look at a lot of people and say, oh, they're just lucky or they've just got this natural talent or, you know, they have abilities that possibly we don't have. And I think as I've started to come a long way and, you know, in the things that I get caught up in and things that interest me and my passions, I actually established that there are moments where you can capture it if you're into it enough where it just happens and, you know, something that you probably weren't necessarily good at before, you can start to build and become better at. So I just find that really interesting because so many people would pass it off as luck or, you know, and in some cases, you know, there might be a natural talent, but I don't know, is that how you feel? Yeah, I think um, we all, whatever we're doing, whether a musician, negotiating, a sports player, sportsman, women, we, we often find ourselves in that struggle in that challenge where it's a little bit uncomfortable and then occasionally something just releases or pops and we kind of come out of it and go oh wow wasn't that was wasn't that amazing or how did that those things come together um and often absolutely we put it down to luck because we don't understand it um however you know when we look at it in a more scientific approach and a systematic approach and um and cross-reference it with for example the flow dimensions there's nine dimensions which we can cross-reference and experience with to kind of examine well was that flow experience or was that just a another performance state that you know that I was in and it, it enables us to really realize wow okay that's a state that happened and you know it was real and it's happened for lots of other people and there's actually 40 years of research behind this this state and examining it and finding out um, descriptors and antecedents for it and it doesn't have to be a one-off lucky experience or one-off experience that we put in the sorcery basket and, and not really understand yeah and you, you when you mentioned there as well that there's been 40 years of research that's probably not very much research in a lot in terms of a lot of scientific fields as in it must be quite a new study so i'd imagine as well a lot of people and a lot of our listeners would think of this as in you know being in the zone or that's how they'd refer to it not necessarily knowing it as flow yeah flow sprung out from the origins of positive psychology a uh, famous researcher chick sent me high um, did a long study with thousands of people and interviewed them and found that at the time he was studying happiness and engagement and motivation and he found that when these people felt their best and performed their best it was a common description and he ended up coining this state flow and positive psychology really sprung around that sort of time in the 60s 70s and up until that point a lot of psychological research had been analyzing and examining what what has gone wrong and how do we fix it and that was a kind of a pivotal port pivotal point in psychology where they started to go well hang on what's working really well you know how are people happy and how are people performing so well mm -hmm. and so when they started to examine um, the positives of human experience um, flow was one of the kind of the, the bedrocks or the seeds of what led to all sorts of research coming out of positive in what we now know as positive psychology and it's getting more frequent and frequent because of the uh the results that a lot of the positive psych psychological research is happening and um you know in some ways it, it we can it's not just 40 years you know it goes back centuries and thousands of years to different civilizations who have uh, you know ingrained it in their society but in the western world and in western science um you know in terms of 
when has it been put into a journal and um, um, and been written in in sort of our scientific scripture, <laughs> if you like. Um, yeah, and the studies are getting more and more, which is quite exciting. Yeah, yeah and you, you talk about um, on your website, I had a little read, which we can share with the listeners what the website is so they can have a look as well. You know, you speak about... Um, I guess more, you know, the daily common things and then the, the bit more, uh, I guess, bigger things like championships and, you know, um, shocks to the system that are quite like adrenaline pumping. Um, do you feel like people can achieve flow whenever they want or do you feel like there has to be a form of um, something massive for them to be able to channel that flow? Yeah, really good question. And unfortunately, flow isn't like a light switch that we can uh, <laughs> it'd be great if it was um but um it's not something that we can switch on and off it's definitely a process and a bit like happiness you know it can't necessarily be pursued it must ensue by by what we're doing and it's definitely a state that with training and if we get the building blocks and the principles in place that we're more likely to find and one of the basic principles of flow is that our skill meets the challenge of that particular activity now that can perception of the challenge and our perception of our skill can change depending on our mood depending on the environment depending on a number of factors but when the challenge is kind of equal to our skill equal to our skill or slightly higher that's that pocket that flow is is possible within now when that skill level of is low and the challenge level is low we're still able to experience flow but in a more mild experience so someone might chuck the car keys across the room and i suddenly catch it at the corner of my eye with with my hand and think oh my god how did i just do that i wasn't even aware that i was i was catching something and it happened um however if the challenge is extremely high and our skill level is very high because we've been training for years and years and years we can often get to a very deep state of flow and an intense experience that we might remember for a lifetime. So no matter what our, the activity we're doing is, we can still experience flow. Um, however, the intensity will change depending on the, on the experience. That's, um, that yeah, definitely. And actually, I mean, I've been looking into this more and more. I got exposed to it. We had a, um, session actually through my work where they brought in a company and they started talking about this it was all about holistic health and mindset and they touched on flow but since then i've, I've really been looking into a lot more and just as you you said there it can happen at any time like i've experienced it for instance um at work where i've had to write a business case for something and it might be on a flight as well at the same time so kind of been putting this off it's a bit of a tricky business case end up just sitting down and i get in the zone, if you will, or in flow, state of flow. And I can just smash out that business case. Time passes by, you're on the flight for a few hours, you don't even realize. And you just come out and you feel kind of re-energized a little bit. You feel quite excited and you sort of look back from it. And I think that's a, a big one for a lot of our listeners. Um, we get a lot of athletes as well that will be able to relate in their in their sports when they're competing. But to the everyday person, it can really happen at any time or doing any kind of thing where you just lose track of time and you're sort of fully engrossed with that. So, yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, the con no, I was just about to say the context can absolutely help. And I identify a lot with being in planes and having that sort of time period where you almost feel 
on top of the world or, or distant from our, our usual life because it's way down below. And it allows us to have that space and that from our normal way of thinking and allows us to get into that maybe slightly more focused or slightly more creative space in which flow um, springs from. And a common characteristic of a flow experience is that we're left extremely creative. You know, even if we've been deeply engaged for an hour, we can still come out feeling fantastic. And sometimes that will, that will last for a day or two days. You know, if the experience is extremely intense, it can happen for um, a week. Or, you know, however, it might just be one small conversation with your boss at lunchtime. But we leave feeling elated for um, the next half an hour. Do you know, that is so funny that you and Zach just said that because I was just having this conversation with Zach that I was like, why is it when I'm on a plane and I'm in airplane mode and I'm just sitting there completely jacked up on my ideas? Like they just, it's almost like the minute I sit in the, and I have really severe flying anxiety. I just, I hate being on planes and I cannot control how I feel sometimes when I'm playing, do all the deep breathing and, you know, mindfulness and so and I still cannot manage to shake the anxiety. But for some reason, I almost get distracted by my thoughts and that's what helps me get over my anxiety. The fact that I'm just, it's like I'm downloading all my information that has just been sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just had this amazing idea or it could be something as stupid as a life lesson or not that, and not that that's stupid, but or it could be something extravagant as a, as a business idea, you know, and I'm just so buzzed and I say to Zach, I'm like, how does this even happen? It's like, you're in airplane mode and I'm like, okay, so how do we, you know, how do we create that circumstance here? And, you know, I do simple steps that I find help me I don't know if this is considered flow and you're going to have to help me here, but I find that I have days when I do my set routine things. Like I wake up, I do my meditation, I'll go for a walk or do something physical. I'll listen to something motivating at the same time. And I am so buzzing and I have all this information coming to me and I just feel like I'm at my highest peak. So I try and simulate that every day. And regardless of how I feel sometimes, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, like, would that, I guess, have anything to do with flow? I would definitely what you uh, talked about are, are great ways for getting into flow. I mean, it depends on that, on the, the actual experience. We'd have to kind of go deeper into specific examples um however just briefly to go on from what you we were saying and you've just said is that um you know typically our mindset is quite fixed we might not think it as such we might think ourselves as very open-minded however we're typically entrenched in a cycle of of how we do things you know and it's not that's not necessarily a bad thing we've been brought up in a particular culture and by a particular family and patterns and etc and we often um, judge a lot of inf incoming information from an experience so we can move fast and make decisions quickly and etc so it's not necessarily a bad decision but often we can feel quite our, our brain is quite fixed towards a particular experience you know rarely do we go out and see a tree as if it's the first time we've ever seen a tree have a conversation as if it's the first time we've we've ever met the person you know, it's very rarely is it is is an experience not layered with our own filters. And by doing those things that you were saying, whether it's yoga, being mindful, change, doing something new, it just kind of shuffles, it disorientates us a little bit and allows us to kind of find that space behind our usual, you know, day to day routines and 
um, and mental structures. And, and that's the kind of space where, you know, when I work with people, we try to get into before they then go on to apply themselves in a particular task. So whether it's, you know, writing a, an email, writing a business case, um, jumping, um, jumping off a cliff or uh, going out to, to play final of the tournament. Um, that place where we're kind of open to, to novel experience and the newness of the moment, that's that moment where we're engaging with an experience, you know, primarily with our subconscious, right? With, with images and, um, and, and how we process things extremely fast. There's the old saying of a, a picture tells a thousand words is very apt in the sense that we can process things a, a lot faster with images and our subconscious. I know some studies in Harvard are sort of saying we can process bits of information at four billion bits per second with our subconscious, but yet our conscious activity is limited to 2,000 bits of information. Now, even if these you know, scientists are, are, are wrong, the difference is still significant. Mm. So when we come to perform in a particular situation, People might have connotations with what performance is, but really whenever we're applying ourselves, that's a performance. Whenever we're doing an activity, that's our mind and body is performing a particular task. And when we do that performance, we can kind of choose to do that through our limited bandwidth and our limited processing system with using conscious thinking, um, which has its advantages. You know, or we can adopt performance cues, do some of the things you were just talking about, um, and put ourselves in a space where we're more likely to approach that situation with a higher processing capacity in our subconscious, which leads to faster decision-making, more creativity, and ultimately a, a sort of a better performance. Wow. I know, I know I've just gone off and away from your question of whether that experience <laughs> was a... No, that's, um, um, that's so good and so true. Um, and I mean... I guess we, we skimmed over it quite quickly at the start, but you've set up this flow center um, in the UK and in, in Australia where you actually work with elite level athletes, execs and CEOs to try and help train them in, in achieving that. And you touched on it just briefly there whilst you, whilst you were talking about it, but what are your sort of top tips for how people can start working towards that state of flow, if you will, or start practicing things to improve i mean obviously you've got some phenomenal courses in what you do with your training and um and consulting through the flow center and we'll definitely put the link to that at the end of this so people can get in touch with you but for um just as a bit of a flavor sort of what are your top tips that can help you move towards that um it's a dollar question which i get asked all the time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i i wish there was the one it's sort of um, a one-size-fits-all answer, um, and finding flow can often be a very individualistic process and experience. And um, so the answer to that varies person to person. However, there are a lot of commonalities, and the biggest one for me that uh, the main message that I try to get across in you know when I've got a small amount of of time with someone is the age-old saying that our thoughts and our actions derive from our intentions. And typically when we go into an experience, whether it's writing an email, whether it's writing a business plan, whether it's a meeting or um, applying ourselves on a tennis court, we normally go in with a lot of conscious activity. We go in with a lot of performance goals. We go in with a lot of kind of thoughts that have been predefined 
minutes, hours, weeks, months mm. before, which doesn't allow us to kind of be 100% present and apply ourselves with our full capacity in that given moment. So simply, you know, and it sounds very, very simple, but practically applying this when you're hanging off the edge of the cliff and you're thinking, don't fall off, <laughs> or other circumstances, but being able to put flow as our highest intention for that particular activity um, is is a tip that's well worth giving a go in whatever in whatever you do you know whatever it is for that five minutes for that 60 seconds whatever the time span just have one intention which is to find flow you know focus on the on the activity itself and um remove all goals or uh, predefined metrics that you might already have um and because those will come as a byproduct from being in flow you know the answers are typically in our head somewhere and what we want is that process of being creative and innovative and being able to output our best performance in that moment so and our intention is to find flow you know it's not a very complex equation this one but if, if our intention is to find flow then we're more likely to find flow in in our activities mm. so that's my kind of number one um tip for people who've just come across this term or you know even people who know the term well then in a lot of cases when they know it well they've already got existing connotations about what it is and and how to find it etc and and miss this kind of number one step of just placing it as our highest intention so often you know we've got a term in the flow centers called becoming a flow seeker um and i know that can sound a bit cheesy but in some ways it's it's really important you know are we are we looking to find flow um because if we're not then we're probably unlikely to find it um so a very basic tip but a um a value one at that and then secondly another top tip would be you know trust the mind body connection with the learning that has happened in the past you know, from our previous training we've either created the physiological myelin and the correct neural pathways in our body you know that all that work is done beforehand as uh, Muhammad Ali said you know the fight is won or lost far away from the lights and the and the and the fizz and the bang it's it happens in the training room um, hours weeks years before that so if we've done our training and whether that's repetition whether that's um, hearing other people um, talking through particular processes um, or whether that's just being absorbed in a, in a particular environment we would have created neural pathways throughout our mind and body that allow us to perform a particular task think in a certain way and being able to trust that that's already in there um, is one of the biggest hurdles people come across you know typically if we just take an athletic example for example you know they've hit thousands of tennis balls they've um surfed thousands of waves you know they've done the activity time and time again they've already created the the neurological blueprints within their system to reproduce it but what actually gets in their way is is their own mind and more often than that it's because they don't trust their, their body to deliver and stuck in the mind of what if or how can I control this to make this happen? Or it becomes back into a very conscious experience where we're kind of using our limited processing system. So putting flow is your highest intention. I mean, there's, I could talk for sort of five hours on this subject. <laughs> like keeping flow is your highest intention and then trusting your body to deliver, you know, what it already knows to do. Yeah. Um, 
are the, the two keys to reproducing um, flow experience. And then, you know, thirdly, um, and a lot of this always takes people by surprise, this one. And again, it's very, very simple. And I don't want to put anything too complex across in, in, the, in this conversation so it doesn't get lost. But this one's very simple in the sense that if we want to find flow in a particular activity, in a meeting, in a, in a performance, mm. then we need to practice being in flow before that. You know, so if we're training our bodies at 60% in performance in our, in our training, then when we go to perform, we're going to perform at 60%. So when you're writing simple tasks, when you're writing your email at your desk, you know, are you, are you kind of doing that at 40, 50% with half an eye on uh, the sports channel and, you know, downing a coffee at the same time and looking around the room? Or are we 100% focused on, you know, this small task? and trying to nail it within 20 seconds rather than two minutes and if we can keep trying to find flow in our day-to-day -day of the training of whatever we want to perform in um, then again we're building that neurological blueprints in our mind and body to then reproduce that during an, an actual performance so trying to find it even in the most mundane boring circumstances that allows us to kind of strengthen that mindset so when we then apply it to a particular performance that's important to us where typically we would only ever think of wanting to be in the zone for suddenly we realize that actually most of the training's done already we've just got to sort of let go and uh, and enjoy the enjoy the experience that's so funny because as you were saying that i was thinking in my head how i used to pride myself on being a multitasker prided myself i was like <laughs> yep I can, you know, put on the washing machine, try and cook and try and take notes while listening to a podcast at the same time. Got it down pat. And then it just used to frustrate me because I realized just how little I was absorbing and how little I was learning and how, how I wasn't getting um, better quicker and how I, I guess I wasn't in that flow as well. So it's just so funny because I read it somewhere. It's like actually becoming, being a multitasker actually makes you less effective. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't multitask anymore. And you just hit the nail on the head. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a common, common trap, that one. You know, we try to be more, we're always trying to be more efficient, faster, better. And, uh, and you know, and that's a natural way to go is just to do more, you know, yeah. and the old saying less is more. And, but, you know, if, if our attention is divided, you know, then really, we can't find we can't find flow because flow requires absolute bandwidth it requires 100 percent total concentration on the task at hand and you know that's when we go to that loss of self-consciousness and really find that bubble in which we surprise ourselves and if we're constantly draining ourselves of energy by splitting our focus um then then rarely are we going to ever find it and um and the learning is never going to be as deeper as it would be if we were 100% focused. What are some of the other benefits as well that can come from, I guess, practicing, trying to be in that state of flow and starting to develop that muscle memory, if you will, or that blueprint and being able to do that? Um, what are some other benefits? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned that you can be a higher performer, for instance. So in sport, you might be you know, Usain Bolt running 100 meters. You might be you know, at the peak. Um, or you might be writing better emails or whatever it may be, but is there other benefits out with sort of being higher performing that can flow on from that? Excuse the pun. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the typical, typical ones I talk about are uh, performance, creativity, innovation, and decision-making. Those are sort of four key outputs, if you like, or byproducts of, of, a, of a flow experience. And, you know, those are what people seek a lot of the time. So that's why it works itself into the conversation. Um, but actually, when, when I work with people, two things that really change quite quickly and quite dramatically, which ends up having a knock-on effect for the rest of their lives, is their anxiety reduces. And for a lot of people, you know, we spend a lot of time in this kind of fight, flight, freeze, amygdala response to life. And we, we get scared of a conversation as if it's a life or death experience. Or, you know, it's, um, we, we're kind of wrapped up in our anxiety. And when the focus is on flow, these sort of outcomes that we would normally want or expect don't really exist so we're free to kind of actually enjoy that moment and our anxiety goes down and secondly and the most important one for me is that motivation increases and I think everyone can relate to the fact that when we are highly motivated in what we're doing life's pretty awesome you know we're we're enjoying what we're doing we end up typically being good at it uh, we're working with our strengths um, and everything sort of falls into place around it um, however, when we start starving ourselves of our, our sort of basic needs and when we start bringing on more external motivations, whether it be that fame or money or uh, affirmation of others or um, whatever that may be, when, it, when our motivations are more external, we, we, we can become a little bit reserved or restrained or in some cases depressed. And, um, you know, flow, one of the advantages of finding flow within a particular activity or going one step further and seeing it almost as a, as a philosophy for a lot of things that we do in life, typically our motivation increases. And why? Because flow doesn't happen unless we're intrinsically motivated. Flow is an autotelic experience and, and it doesn't happen unless we're completely engaged. So we often look at working you know, how can we build autonomy? How can we build inherent satisfaction and agency into what we're doing? You know, and, and that has a huge knock-on effect to how people see themselves, their confidence and all the rest of it. I think that's amazing because the motivation industry is huge. Every person wants to be motivated. You know, they're listening to motivational YouTubes. They're listening to motivational podcasts. They're listening, like motivation is actually saturating everything everywhere. And I think what there's maybe a lack of it is how to spike that motivation, how to, I guess, change your state and, and get into your flow to have um, practices where you can have lasting motivation. And I think that's probably the missing thing that, a lot of people find in society is you know you can get motivated by listening to something but are you really in your true flow or are you in I guess caught up in someone else's idea of what you should be motivated by and that's when you say, said basically that's where unhappiness comes from whereas happiness comes from being in flow with what you want I guess I mean being in flow with the things that make you in flow rather than listening to something and trying to get motivated and I guess losing that motivation and becoming demotivated and even more so demotivated I know I've personally experienced that and I've just been like I'm so motivated and six months later I'm just like I just really am not motivated by that <laughs> <laughs> or even just yeah. 
day I'm like what was that <laughs> absolutely I mean you know we're all human we're all going to go up and down and um you know and I've been highly unmotivated in in times of my life but we you know it just gives us when we do find that high level of motivation it makes it that much richer and um you know absolutely there's a lot of information out there and we can temporarily feel good by being um transfixed or inspired or um jumping on the uh, on the tails of other people's kind of energy um but ultimately for for that to be sustainable we've got to find what's inherently motivating for us what are our inherent strengths and um how are we gonna how are we gonna utilize that and become the greatest version of ourselves and um, that definitely doesn't come at looking at other people, you know, that, that com initial comparison only sets a seed for, um, for fear, for, you know, whether it's success or failure by benchmarking our experience with someone else, which is kind of comparing apples and oranges rather than apples and apples. So, um, you know, looking inside and, and really examining, you know, what is our, I, oft, I often use the term as what's our true north, you know, what's our internal compass pointing to. And when we can kind of live and breathe by that, be it a uh, performance goal or a, uh, or a value and belief, then, you know, that's when we really start to become powerful human beings. And that's when we sort of start to find our intrinsic motivations and, and life becomes easy. Know, rather than uh, a struggle or difficult and and uh, and that's when life really becomes fun you can tell you're in australia and not in the uk because those magpies have some voices on them don't they, <laughs> <laughs> they do. yeah, they're relentless so yeah. i mean all of this was amazing and and we cannot thank you enough by jumping on i think it's so important like i said there's just so much motivation out there and i guess receiving coaching about how to get into your flow which is something that you've you've built your work around is just you can't even put a price on what that would do for someone in terms of wanting to receive that performance or even just wanting to have really good conversations with people reducing their stress and things like that like you just highlighted so where can people find you other than in western australia where the magpies love to sing <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, fairly active in the uh, United Kingdom and also Holland. Um, and the Flow Center is growing and growing. You know, we're on Facebook and we've got a page and, and obviously jump on our site and, you know, please give, it, give us a, a uh, get in contact or give us a ring. Our sort of mission really is to generate a future generation of flow seekers. So, you know, if you're wanting to find more flow in your life, then, you know, we're, we're happy just to start the conversation and, and engage. So if you want to join the discussion on social media or send us an email, feel free. And, you know, I'm working a lot with people who are in South America and Hawaii and all sorts of places. So um, just kind of where our core personnel are doesn't necessarily sort of limit to, um, flow centers engagement with uh, with where you might be awesome i think i'll uh, could well be getting in touch i just love this sort of mindset and chatting to you i'm already feeling feeling energized and I remember as well that offline you were saying that you uh, you work sort of quite long well strange hours and different time zones and everything so you really do work with people from all over the world so yeah we'll make sure our viewers get the link to um, your website and hopefully get in touch great stuff thanks yeah hopefully no problem. Thanks for your time today, guys. It's been a pleasure to uh, to connect and um, and speak again soon. Thanks, Cameron. All the best. 
Thanks for listening. If you like what you've just heard, please share with your friends and family. You can check out some of our previous topics at www.basicslw.com or you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud to name but a few. You can also check out what the team have been up to on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, would like to find out more or just have a question for us to cover in future episodes, drop us a line on info at basiclw.com. Join us next time where we'll be covering another topic and hopefully answering one of those burning questions of yours. 